Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. I want to share with you tonight on building again. And the catalyst for this uh, series, because it will be that, uh, but the catalyst for this series is seeing people that I've known, some for many, many years in other parts of the world as well as here, our believers and non-Christians alike, who have seen some of their life start to, I guess, break down a little and start to abrade at the edges, start to fray a little bit. And one of the most powerful books to me of the Bible, one of the ones that speaks to me so often, is the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is a young man that God calls, well, actually, to be really honest, there isn't a record of God calling him. He's simply a young man who sees a need and says, I want to be a part of the answer. I want to help fix this. And so he goes and starts building what really it turns out to be not much more than a wall to keep out wild animals and really to keep out invaders, I guess. It, it doesn't sound much, but if it wasn't for the building of the wall, then Ezra rebuilding the temple later never could have happened. And so it tells me something about what it means to to have God come in your life and start to build again where you're at. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on in your life. I would imagine that all of us, every one of us, has got areas of our life that started to get a bit frayed at the edges over the last 18 months or so. Or maybe it's got nothing to do with COVID or pandemics. Maybe it's just that the the ongoing progress of time has started to degrade your relationship. Maybe it's a marriage or a family thing that's just not going so well. Maybe you just find yourself doubting yourself in ways that you never thought you would. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe the vision that you felt you were called to, you're starting to wonder a bit about. And you're going, what have I, how come I've lost some of that strength that I used to have in that area of my life. Let's begin reading Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. says, These are the memoirs of Nehemiah the son of Akaliah. In late autumn in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, uh, I was in the fortress of Susa. Hanano, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who just arrived from Judah. These were people that had been left behind by the invaders of Jerusalem. They had destroyed much of it. And you can read a lot of that in the other, some of the other books of the Bible. But it has been so destroyed, but they left behind a few. And obviously some of them were allowed to go and visit others that had been taken into captivity in Babylon. It says there that they came to visit me with some other men who just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. Jerusalem to these people represents a lot more than simply a beautiful city. It's a lot more than saying, well, you know, I'm from Brisbane or, you know, I'm from Perth or some other place. It represents to them everything about their God. Jerusalem, God had declared, was his city. It's his place. He said, 
I will put my presence there. And so the loss of Jerusalem means a lot more to them than simply, you know, a place that they used to be a part of. Like I've been back to the town that I grew up in, a little town called Tara in Queensland. But, you know, it doesn't represent much more to me than history, quite frankly. And, you know, I think about maybe the house that I lived in there with my mum and dad and my brothers and sisters. But to these people, it's a lot more than that. And I believe that some of you tonight, I particularly feel that God wants to speak to some of you where there has been God-given vision that has been chipped away at, has been lost somewhat, and you now find yourself in the place of going, that God thing inside of you that was so valuable to you is now less and somehow rather, I think about these things a lot. Because if you were to ask me, what provides the energy for life? What provides the resilience to be able to continue to rise up no matter what comes your way? I would say to you, it's, it's not simply vision as many people call it. It's that internal sense of God calling you, putting you, placing you, equipping you. And that thing inside of you that is more than a title and more than a, a, a sense of a role or a, a category of some kind or other. It's that thing that is so deep inside of you that if it gets destroyed, you would feel like much of your life has gone. The Bible says this, it says, whoever commits adultery gives away their gift to other people. But the word there, gift, doesn't simply mean uh, a talent or something like that. It means a life force. It means uh, something in your spirit. And when Jesus spoke to the churches in Revelation, he said, if you don't repent and turn back to me, he said, I'll come and remove the candlestick from you. The candlestick is that thing of God in your life that leads you on and gives you light. I think that to be called of God, and I'm not saying that to be called to be a pastor, I'm saying to be called to whatever you're called to be, has got to be one of the greatest privileges that we ever get. We are called in the Scripture co-workers together with Christ. Jesus got people that nobody else would have picked. Jesus called people that were not in the religious leadership. They weren't the smartest. They weren't the most educated. Matter of fact, in the book of Acts, it says that they took note of them, that they were unlearned and ignorant men. These were not the people anyone else would have picked. Maybe you're not the person anyone else would have picked. But that sense of God calling you has got to be the highest and the greatest. I know so many people that are doing amazing things that perhaps others, we talked about Amanda and Hope there. And I believe that, that it is one of the great works of God in this city. It's certainly one of the great works of God that He's raised up through this church. I believe it's one of the things closest to the heart of Jesus. There are two things that every book of the Bible tells us to do. One is to honour the Sabbath rest. In other words, to take time out to really spend time with God. But the other thing is to care for the poor. 
It's in every book of the Bible. To care for those that are less fortunate than you, those that are struggling. And I know lots of times people are, uh, you know, going, well, if, you know, they ought to and they should. I'm most proud of those things that I read out there, proud of our teams, because in a time where so much of humanity has shrunk back to saying, I've just got to look after number one. I've just got to care for who I am. You know, I've got to look after me and, and, you know, forget everybody else. Our teams have kept on serving, kept on loving, kept on blessing, kept on pouring it out regardless. Matter of fact, I didn't read you out this bit, but in Amanda's text, she said, compared with last year, there's been an increase of 43% in the number of people that are being helped all in the midst of a time of great restriction. So, was I reading the Bible? I think I was, wasn't I? I was talking about Jerusalem, yeah. Verse 3, let me come back to it. I'll come to my notes. They said to me, things are not going well for those who have returned to the province of Judah. You can say that about every country in the world right now. Things are not going well for Italy. Things are not going well for Indonesia. Things are not going well for the Philippines. Things are not going well for New South Wales. Things are not going well for Melbourne. There's many parts of the world. They're in great trouble and disgrace. I have never known a time in my life where so many Christians are attacking other Christians. To me, that, pardon me, but that's a disgrace. Uh, we are not called to attack one another. Matter of fact, we're called to be in unity around the purpose of God. I'm going to leave that one right there. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down. The gates have been destroyed by fire. In other words, nobody's able to keep something in. When our papers are saying that there's been an increase of 20% in domestic violence rates in Australia in the last year, when we're told in our paper today that 6,000 people have been turned away from a, a women's help centre in one suburb alone of Perth. That tells me that a lot of people don't have walls to keep in things they need to retain. A sense of restraint, a sense of love. is not been able to be kept in. See, when you've got no walls, you can't keep out what's trying to get in and you can't keep in what you're meant to keep. That's what Jerusalem's look like. It's just open slather. When I heard this, he says in verse 4, I sat down and wept. For days I mourned, I fasted and I prayed to the God of heaven. I'm not going to read the prayer for the sake of time, but verse 11, he finishes the prayer by saying this, O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honouring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favourable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. In those days, you see, I'm the king's cupbearer. They don't tell you in this here, but it goes on in verse 2. It says, early the following spring of the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign. So it's only a couple months later. I'm serving the king his wine. I'd never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me. Now you read this and think the king is caring about him. Let me explain to you after I've read it, the real story behind it. He says, why are you looking so sad? 
You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. Why would you be terrified? Because the boss asks you, why are you sad? Because in the laws of that day, to appear before the king and to lower his mood could get you killed. So for Nehemiah to turn up and be so overwhelmed by the need that was he'd heard about was so affecting him, he can't hide it and sadness is written all over him. And when the king says, why are you so sad? You don't look sick. Then I'm terrified. Why? Because he goes, what often comes next is the king says, take him out, kill him because he's only a slave and never let him ever be ever seen or mentioned in my presence ever again. Nehemiah is a man who's profoundly impacted about what's been broken down. And over the next couple of nights, I'm going to speak on how to rebuild what's been broken, what's been lost, what's been taken from your life. I think every one of us, myself included, there are things I need to rebuild in my life. There are things that I feel like God is doing some more of. I feel the growing, if you like, of God. Samson was a man who lost something very important and significant to him. Matter of fact, he lost what he was called to. And a pagan king made sure that he was put to the most menial of tasks because when you lose your vision, you will fill up your life with that which is meaningless. When you lose that sense of God's impetus and leading in your life, you'll always fill your life. I watch people do this. They get busy with things that don't have any real purpose or meaning. Samson's hair, though, we know the story of many of us, his hair begins to grow again. And his greatest success is that at the end of his life. Listen to me tonight because I don't know who you are. Many people are going to be a part of this service in the week or so to come. I get that. Lots of you that are here in front of me as well. But let me say this to you. No matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been doing this, no matter how long you've been following Jesus, I am prophesying to you that your best days are not over, but they're the ones to come. I'm saying to you that no matter what you, how good it's been, many of us here can point back to great days in our life and say, that was amazing. Wow! But what God has for us, the Bible says that the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. I have not seen that yet. The Bible says that Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or blemish or wrinkle or any such thing. I haven't seen that yet. So I know that the greatest days of reaching people for Christ are the days in front of them. The Bible says in the last days, the angels come and begin to reap in the harvest. In other words, the supernatural forces of heaven start coming into the earth in a way they've never done before. If, if you don't, if you, this doesn't get your, your goosebumps goosing, I don't know what will. 
because the reality is that more people are going to come to Christ in the days that are to come than all the days of Billy Graham and all the days of Catherine Kuhlman, all the days of William Booth, all the days of the Apostle Paul. More people are going to come to Christ in the days that are ahead of us than ever before and we need to be ready. That's why I'm preaching and speaking to you about how to get built so that you can be a part of the answer for what God wants to do in your life. I'm encouraging you to lean in and to learn. Start putting it into practice. I don't believe in preaching to fill up your brain. I believe in preaching to fill up your heart. I believe in the kind of preaching that gets you out of there and says, tomorrow I'm going to start doing this differently to how I've been. I love the way the Scriptures never gloss over the problems that exist. That's why I want to start this series by talking about the limitations of Nehemiah, about the things that mean he could never be the answer. Why doesn't God raise, listen to me, why doesn't God raise up somebody who's already in Jerusalem? Why does He pick the least likely person? The guy who's in the centre of pagan worship in the entire world. He goes and picks him. I'm expecting God to bring to this church some of the least likely people. Some of the people that nobody would get up and pat on the back and say, you know, God is going to use you. God is going to raise up people because God is not always about picking the ones that you and I would pick or the obvious ones. He sometimes goes and picks the people everyone's forgotten about. And the people in, in Jerusalem, they've forgotten about these guys. Nehemiah's got some good things going because he's living in a good place and I guess he's got all the food he ever needed. But he's a young man who's away from home. So there's his first issue. See if it resonates with anybody here. There's distance and isolation. Isolation, they said, was the number one word for 2020. Across the world, isolation. It was the go-to word. Well, Nehemiah knew what that felt like and he did not have FaceTime. He never had, you know, a WhatsApp or any other method. He never had Facebook to stay in touch. This guy's out there and he's got no idea what's happening. I believe there's a lot of things that God is doing around the world that most people have got no idea about. Secondly, he's a slave. So there's a complete lack of freedom. There's certainly a lack of resources. He hasn't got a bank account. He can't go, you know what, I'm just going to go and bankroll this. Limitations. He's a Jew in Babylon, the wrong background, the wrong culture, and zero respect for his religion or beliefs. Listen to me, because a lot of Christians right now are going to war for their beliefs. I suggest to you, my, my best advice is lift up Jesus. Lift up the name of Jesus. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. I don't have to go and pull down what the devil's building to lift up the name of Jesus. That's why worship and prayer is such a powerful thing, isn't it? Because... Right now, maybe there's a lot of disrespect from so many quarters. Just read your daily paper. Read about religious figures, Christian figures in our nation that have been taken to court, all kinds of stuff happening. 
And we can either respond out of saying, oh, how dare they? I'll stand up for my rights. Or else we can say, you know what? Our battle was never in the earthly. Our battles have always been the heavenlies. I'm not saying you don't get to raise your voice. What I'm saying to you is, I don't believe that's the biggest thing you can do. I believe the most important thing we do is to love people and to love God. Amen? I believe so. Yet we know that despite all these limitations, he becomes successful and he rebuilds the walls and the structure of Jerusalem and he triumphs in his vision. There's only 13 chapters in Nehemiah. I can read it all in the evening, easy. But the key to all of this is Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. One of the things we're going to be doing next year, and I say next year because there's a whole lot of things that we're planning and it's going to take a while to get every uh, detail worked out. But one of the things that's on my heart for 2022 in a big way is that we lift the amount of prayer in this house. That we raise, I thank God for all of you. Solomon, I know, leads online prayer every month and thank you for doing that. Thank you for creating and, and operating that vehicle so people, no matter where they are, can pray. And we have people literally from other parts of the world, not just in Australia, that join together for prayer. But I don't know that it's possible to say the Christians pray too much. And I'm not talking about just running more prayer meetings. Because there's one here on Wednesday morning. My wife runs that one at uh, uh, every Wednesday morning at 9. And you can come and be a part of that if you want as well, right here in the auditorium. And there's the prayer team that pray from their homes week long. That's all great. I feel like there's an urgency though, because when you get before God, you get a different perspective on your limitations. Look at what this guy's prayer ends up like. When you pray, instead of going, I can't, pick someone else. Well, I would if, if it wasn't for the fact that I'm here in bed. If I was in Jerusalem, Lord, I'd be doing something. Instead of all that, prayer changes your perspective. I don't know about anybody else, but for me, the biggest thing that happens in prayer is not the answers to my prayers. It's the fact that God changes me as I pray. Every time I walk out a different man to the one who walked in, every single time, because prayer is working with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit touches you and something changes in you. You go out better, different, bigger and better than you came in because of prayer. I'm just always amazed. Everywhere I've ever been in my entire life, prayer has been the function of the church least attended. That's not a, a criticism. It's just kind of, I think the, the enemy's managed to sell to a lot of people the fact that somehow or other, like, hello, unless you're gifted or called to it or some other thing like that. When I pray, faith is always imparted. Because faith, listen, you know how you get faith? Some way you get COVID. You catch it from someone who's got it. Amen. You can't catch COVID from someone who hasn't got it, sorry to tell you. Or any other infectious disease. You can't catch measles from someone who hasn't got it. You can only catch it from someone who's got it. And you know how you get faith? You catch it of somebody. Amen. That's why coming to church, 
I know that a lot of people go, oh, I don't need to come to church. I go, oh, no, you just don't know how much you need it. Amen. You, you tell me you don't need it, but think what your life would be if you did. Because I don't know about the rest of you here. When I hear the team lead up here, I'm not, it's not the music to me. It's the spirit that's in that. That every time I'm there, I go home going, wow, yeah. Amen. You are good. Good. Lord, you are good. You are good. Where's the team? Good. No, no kidding. I did it this morning. I came running out of the balcony and everyone. When I pray, fear always leaves. When I pray, I see things differently. When I pray, I'm changed. I encourage you. You might, you might say, I don't know how to pray. That's a really good place to start because that makes you a disciple of Jesus because they didn't know how to pray. That's why they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Here's the first prayer you should pray. Lord, teach me how to pray. Amen? Teach me how to pray. Now, you can do it wherever you like. For me, I'm walking in the bush, the, the woods, the forest, wherever you're from, the jungle, uh, the quiet jungle where I live. Uh, but, you know, I'm out there and I'm praying away and it's always out loud. But I don't care if you pray silently. I say to this, our staff, we have a staff prayer. And I say, here's the best kind of prayer is the one God answers. How you do it, I don't care. Bury your face in the ground. Pray like that. Stand up and run around. I don't mind. But just be a prayer. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says this. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Did you get that? He says, give yourself to God. And then he says, by the way, let the Holy Spirit change the way that you think. Come back with me to Nehemiah. Because if you read the book of Nehemiah, you'll find out that there were 50,000 people living in Jerusalem. Slightly over, actually. 50,000 people living in Jerusalem who made a truce with their troubles. They've learned to live with their problems. They go, it's never going to change. I'll just accept this is the way it is. And one man who's with more limitations than any of them have got, one man says no. One man's got a different mindset. He's renewing the spirit of his mind and he leads the way. I want to ask you tonight, what have you declared a truce with that God wants to change? Listen to me. What are the things that you've just accepted? Well, you know, I've always been like that. Well, my mother was like that. My father was like that. Well, everybody I know is like that. What are the things that you've made a truce with that God wants to change? What have you just accepted that God wants to start rebuilding? Well, of course, I'm like this. After all, isn't everybody? I want you to decide today, I'm going to build again. Because you see, God's got an answer for every one of Nehemiah's limitations. He's isolated and God says, I'll send you back. He says, I've got no resources, I'm just a slave. And so the king says, I'll give you a letter. You can have anything you want. Go to the warehouses, take anything you want. Well, I can't because I'm, I'm not rich. God says, go and get anything you want. 
I'm here for you. A pagan emperor not only releases him, he funds the entire project. I want you to go home with this in your mind, with this in your heart tonight. Don't let your limitations become your teacher. Don't let them be your instructor telling you what you can or can't do. Don't let all the things, and I look, I know to some people that can sound a bit like, well, that's very nice. But I mean it. I want you to, I want you to say tonight, I've, for too long, I've let that limitation tell me what I could do and I couldn't do. Don't let your fears become your fences that hold you in place, that boundary you, that tell you how far you can go. Nehemiah's first issue, and the first issue all of us are going to have, if we are going to rebuild, if God's going to build again, we've got to start saying to our limitations, however long it is, however difficult it's been, whatever it looks like, however impossible it seems, we've got to start saying to our limitations, I'm stopping listening to you. I'm going to pray to the God of heaven that he'll give me an answer in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person that's a part of this service. Thank you for everyone, God, who is in their heart recognising there's that that seed of vision that's just sprouting and is trying to poke its way through all the dirt and all the stuff that's been heaped on it. You know, I, I believe that tonight God is speaking to people. I really do. I believe God's speaking to some of you here where the vision's gotten buried under all the junk. Some people have parked the vision you know, when COVID finishes, when all these restrictions are done. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying, start building again. Start building it in your heart, first of all. Before Nehemiah went anywhere public, he first of all went privately before God. Some of you need to go before God again and say, God, I'm sorry, I let go of the vision because I thought it was mine. Now, God, I see that it was yours and I have no right to lay down that which belongs to you. So, Lord, I'm surrendering to you again. Do you want to send me back to that place? Do you want me to begin to rise up again? Do you want me to lead? Do you want me to speak? Do you want me to dream again? Lord, I'll do whatever you want. Believing that there are no limitations to you that there isn't anything can stop your will and your word coming to pass. Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Just while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, wherever you are, some of you, wherever you are, you need to say yes to Jesus. Some of you need to say to Jesus, I'm sorry, I lost my way. I wandered away. Lord, tonight I'm going to say yes to you again. I'm going to get back on track. I'm going to start again building my life around your purpose, around your will for me. Whoever you are, wherever you are, you might say, Jeff, I've never, I don't even know what being a Christian is. Some of you that are part of this online, you, you weren't raised in a Christian home, you were raised in a, a different faith home or a no faith home. Some of you have never known the name of Jesus to be anything other than a word P 
people use in times of stress. And yet Jesus is saying to you tonight, I want to come into your life. I want to save you. I want to live in you. I want, I want to show you what you and your life can be when you make me Lord. So Father, I thank you for those people right now, wherever they are, as they give their yes to you right now, wherever they are. They say yes to you. Say, Jesus, I want you in my life. Jesus, I need you. Thank you, Lord. They're not saying yes to a church. They're saying yes to a Savior. Thank you for that, Lord. Amen. Amen. If that's you tonight, and it always is somebody, let me tell you how easy it is to say yes to Christ. If you got one of these, or you got your computer, your email, it's as easy as you, if you're in Australia, sending yes. Why yes? You know, I had a, I had a dentist appointment this week. You know what they asked me to send to confirm my appointment? Yes. I go, I'm good at yes. So I send them back, why yes? We don't care whether it's up or lowercase. It doesn't matter. So I send them back my yes. And so they know that I'm committed. That's what your yes to Jesus does. It tells him, Lord, I'm committed to this. If you're in Australia, it's 488 if you want it via email or you're outside of Australia, it's yes.metrochurch.org.org.au or if you're with us on metrochurch.online, the yes button's right there. We won't write and ask you for money or anything else ever. We've never done it. We never will. What we will do is pray for you. What we will do is send you every day a scripture, a different one every day. If it's on one screen of the smartphone, we'll, we'll send you a prayer both of those things fit on one screen of the smartphone, by the way. A prayer that you can pray different every day because we want to help you grow with Jesus and see everything that He's got for you come and fill your life. Thank you. I pray that tonight will help you. And don't forget, they stay up on YouTube. I love that. So you can go back and check them out. If you missed something or you need to hear it again, you can go back and hear it again and let the Word of God Come on, some of you here where the enemy's just been eroding and eroding, you need to build and build and build. Next Sunday night, we'll be tackling a different part of what it means to build our life in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for everyone that's been a part of the service wherever they are. Lord, we know you're good. We love to sing it and celebrate it. Let it live in our heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.